1: Thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Taiwan International. I'm Leslie Liao, and coming up this hour, I have Ear to the Ground, where Andrew Ryan brings you some sounds from Taiwan, and Jukebox Republic with Shirley Lin. But we're going to start off as we always do with a little bit of here in Taiwan. <laughs> Welcome to Here in Taiwan, and today is Monday, February 3rd. That's right, you heard me. We are in the second month of 2020. I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and joining me today is the smart, the well-spoken Mr. John Van Trieste, Hi there. And Miss Shirley Lin. Hello. On today's agenda, well, Taiwan recently won gold at a sport that I never thought they would win gold in and next 100 year old trains returning to the track is that safe well someone will be telling us about that and with the coronavirus going on trends in the consumption of face masks is starting to see some very interesting trends all that more coming up next on here in taiwan all right so let's talk about the elephant in the room. We just came back from the Lunar New Year, and the coronavirus is a thing—not quite the elephant in the room, but what's <laughs> going small. on? It's very small. But uh, what's going on, Shirley? What's uh? I understand the mask industry is starting to boom.
2: Yeah, everyone's just panicking to hoard on, you know, these surgical masks that. Uh, um you know, actually, the uh, World Health Organization has been asking everybody to wear masks to go out and wash their hands often. Yes. so, um, and school was just starting. We just had our Chinese um, New Year holiday. And uh, some parents at uh, some schools in Union County were panicking because they wanted to get uh, these masks for their children, but they couldn't find any. And um, but fortunately, And it just so happened that the government of uh, the local government of Union County was uh, um, actually uh, was was originally planning to hand out these um, boxes of facial masks for the kids uh, from kindergarten to elementary to junior high and senior high schools because they were complaining. I guess the county was complaining of air pollution before the holidays, Mm. and so the government decided, well, why don't we supply them with facial masks? So now it came. Just at the right time, in good use, and none of the parents are panicking anymore, and which I thought it was just awesome. Um, I know that for little kids, you know, they, they can't use the same size, especially like kindergarten kids. No, they can't use the same size as adults because yes. uh, they need smaller ones. And I think that they shouldn't have a problem getting those. But um, but I guess you know it's just uh, as bad as uh, adult size ones. Um, but um, I, I I think that's that's that really just came in the right time. Definitely. It's a good thing that we
3: normally have a plethora of these masks to go around, though.
2: Normally, If you were a
3: non-mask wearing sort of a place, then it would be... Because some people have them already, like on hand. Yes. In drawers or on desks or, you know...
1: We, um, election season just passed and they were passing them out as like, um, like little election ads. Sometimes you get napkins, (laughs) sometimes you get face masks and there's just a whole repository in my house.
3: Yeah. Mm. I've got a stash myself. So
1: it's, uh, good, good
3: that we have them. Yeah. Uh, I hope that we can get our supplies sort of stabilized soon though, because who knows how long this, you know, boom could go on. They are
1: producing them in the millions, Right. Yeah, but we've got 23 million people. That yeah, is true,
2: and people are still putting them anyway. And they're giving them out three at a time. I don't know. And now they're rationing it, but uh, I think you you still go to you know the nearest convenience store, and they're still out of it. So anyway, I'm worrying about because right now I I do have a box, but it's running low. And this was just for some reason I just happened to have it. Yeah. And now I'm afraid that when it runs down, when it runs out, when I run out, would I find would I be able to find any more masks? But anyway, lucky uh, kids in uh, Union County, each kid gets a box of 20 uh, facial masks. And actually, in March, they intend to hand out another box. So um, they don't have to worry at all. Hmm. Um, But but this is a reminder of everybody, you know, be courteous. Um, Really, uh, just, you know, don't hoard it. And uh, everybody needs it. We should just kind of watch out for each other and take care of each other. And do wash your hands, please. Yeah, right. And
1: originally you said this is f- hmm. to fight off air pollution. This wasn't necessarily to fend off disease. They do have
3: uh, air pollution
1: down there. They, time do. Time. There's some they power- do. I think there's a
3: power uh-huh. plant down there, isn't there? That's, uh, I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: Taiwan's power plants, they're all coal-fired and they're pretty... Bad
3: and sort of concentrated towards that area. Yeah, not necessarily in the county, but uh, in the central bits.
1: And uh, there's a bit of a shortage going on. And surely, you also told us some people are (laughs) coming up with creative ways to distribute these masks or sell these masks.
2: Creative. And once again, the claw machines come in the spotlight again. Oh no! (laughs) And for some reason, there's this one particular um, claw machine. Um, over at Jilong, at Miaoko Night Market. It's a popular place for tourists and everything. But uh, people were starting to find these, like, individual masks uh, wrapped. uh, I think they're wrapped. Yeah, they're wrapped. Is that legal now? Given the the current shortage and ration. That Mm -hmm. would seem... (laughs) Because the claw machine, every try is 10 NT. That's like 30 30 cents. Right. But um, right now, uh, these facial masks apparently are costing... 8 NT oh, to no. 6 NT They've each. gone down to
3: 6 NT each. I know. The which government man, like, has imposed a price cap on them, and that's well below their market value. So,
2: hmm. And
3: also well below the cost of a single try. So could I they wonder,
2: I know. I wonder if the owner of this um, claw machine is going to get into trouble. But yeah. um, for one thing, though, okay, fine. Everybody is like sc- scrambling for these masks, but then in a claw machine and wrapped. You know, um, somebody tried it, You know, throw in a 10 NT coin and... It's hard to try to grab one of these. You know, They're, they're flat. Flimsy. They're slippery. But anyway, someone got creative, but actually it's not even funny, right? But uh, the thing is that people have seen that these masks from the distance, from, you know, uh, I mean, through the glass window, uh, they seem like they have flower patterns on them. So maybe they're just the average kind of um, dust repellent kind of, yes. instead of these, you know, that... Proper would, medical proper, grade masks. Yeah.
3: Because people do wear these sort of cloth They're more like mouth covers than anything else. Mm. Um, Often with patterns when they ride scooters to keep bugs and stuff out <laughs> you don't want that in your mouth very helpful uh, yeah. um or, or the pollution. wash
2: or, or there's those that are made of cloth they're washable yeah, but ones but these and, are not um, supposed no, to be effective
3: it, for medical purposes no like keeping they're just viruses more, away
2: yeah this is more to keep you warm i guess right from the wind and, and, and keeps, all
3: that Yeah, you know, filter out some stuff you don't want in your mouth
2: right yeah exactly but um apparently this claw machine also um kind of put up a sign on 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 its side that says uh well, because someone was saying like, "Whoa, I mean, face masks, I mean, they should be you know clean and sanitized and everything, and you put them in a claw machine, and actually the sign read saying that, "Oh, we regularly clean this claw machine, we spray it with alcohol and all that, so not to worry, but if it is <laughs> this covered is so ridiculous, he doesn't even know what trouble he's going to get himself into."
1: When you think of sports that Taiwan is good at, well, you think summary sports like maybe baseball, mm-hmm. a little bit of archery. I think we do well in weightlifting and Taekwondo. I've
3: got some good and gymnasts. badminton. And some oh. good gymnasts as well. We have yeah. gymnasts
1: setting records, but and badminton. Badminton, I think the number one in the world is still Taon- Taiwanese, yeah. right? One of the things you wouldn't think that Taiwanese people are good at, especially when it comes to sports, is ice hockey. Ice hockey, I usually reserve it for, like, the Canadians or, you know, northern United States. You have Detroit, uh, New York, things like that. But get this, guys, Taiwan women's under-18 ice hockey team took gold at the 2020 International Ice Hockey Federation U18 Championships in Finland, which is also another very... Cold, Cold place, place yes. where you would expect hockey. Yeah, place where would
2: expect ice. I don't think we have like ranks. a league
1: or anything, do we? I don't think so. And there's only one place I can think of that's like an ice rink, right? Year round. Know, we're, we're
3: not. Taizong, we, right?
1: There's one in Taipei. I don't know about Taizong.
3: Yeah, still well, in Taipei. I yeah, know that yeah. there was one, but I we thought it closed. Pretty much no ice ever, except in high no. mountainous areas.
1: Yeah. So this, could, like, imagine my surprise. Well,
3: Jamaica has a bobsled team, so you know.
1: Is, so that right? can,
3: is that right? We can <laughs> do that. They have a we, ha- They right? made a whole movie about it.
1: Okay, I have haven't to go seen Cool Runnings. No. Okay, never mind. Okay, but get this: we uh, we won gold, so that means we are now top twenty in the world for ice hockey. I think that means we're number twenty. We defeated uh, the Dutch team. The <laughs> How Dutch, do they manage that? They have ice year round. Well, they have ice
3: often. Uh, often, their things. speed skaters are very well known.
1: We defeated Kazakhstan.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And then we also defeated Australia, which was our last um I mean does Australia even have an are, uh, are the Australians known for ice hockey? I, I even don't even know. know. when I, I one
3: time know. I was in Australia, it was winter and it was not cold, that cold. So
2: Yeah, this cold. But, I, would, but
1: right? I
3: but I don't know about the whole country. Maybe okay. just where I was.
1: Talk about a nail biter though. So the first two periods, I think ice hockey is divided into th- two periods or three? Oh, there's three periods. And um, by the third period, they had, uh, Australia had the edge on Taiwan, so we were behind 3-2, to two, and um, Taiwan came from behind with two last-minute goals.
2: Oh, wow. And
1: they won it, so we went undefeated in the group round. Okay. So that means we are top 20 in the world, under 18 for ice hockey. I mean, we won the under 18 baseball championship a while back, but... I mean, Taiwan, especially when it comes to youth baseball, it has always been very, very strong. This ice hockey win really just came out of nowhere for me. So I thought that would be kind of nice to talk about.
2: Well, I mean, actually, I remember some time ago I did a story similar, um, but it was talking about how Taiwan's team, you know, practice on no ice for ice hockey, and um, they I think they normally practiced on using roller skates, and then oh, like you know they would have some. Hmm. Uh, that's a very different practices. thing. Isn't yeah.
1: there like roller? Isn't roller so, hockey a thing? Yeah, though?
3: it yeah. is.
2: Oh, uh, is there? I don't yeah. know. But then then they would go to Japan or some other country for like a major practice, you know, on, like on real ice rinks because it's very different. Uh, yeah, roller plating and so ice. So it, it's tough for us, you know, and yet for for us to be able to win gold, wow, that's like
1: miracle. It seems like a lot of work. You know, but I guess it's paid off. Do you have like a
3: curling team? Does anyone know? If we have an ice hockey, I mean, imagine the possibilities. I wouldn't
1: be surprised. I'm pretty sure if we don't have a team, we at least have some kind of Taiwanese curling friendship federation Uh, or something like that. Well, that's just a bit of sports news for you. All right, John, so tell us about these hundred-year-old trains that are about to come back onto the rails. Yes, a few of
3: them are more than a hundred years old, in fact, and uh, they are a bunch of, a team of trains. It looks like there were three engines that have, they've already been transported from exhibition sites uh, for renovation, and uh, they expect to have them, yes, on the rails again. Not on your local commuter rail, mind you. Um, This is going to be on a special tourist rail line, which is very famous for its scenic views and its zigzags up the mountains uh, in Alishan, which is a very popular mountain getaway in southern Taiwan. Um, and yeah, they have quite a story because a lot of them were on the rails probably for around, it looks like 60 some years in some cases. Um, for instance, uh, one of the engines called SL-21 was produced in 1912 and was only taken out of service in 1975. It's an, wow, it's that's a, a they long, had a long, long tenure. Time. Yeah, I mean, until the 1970s, it says this line had steam locomotives. Electric and diesel didn't show up until pretty late in the game, and uh, the very last one was only taken off the tracks. I'm talking about steam locomotives came off the tracks only in 1984. Uh, the three engines, which looked like they were uh, they were built between 1911 and 1915, were originally serving on the, that line. Because uh, it was not a tourist site originally, mm. uh, to haul lumber. It was a mm. very heavy logging area. It's a beautiful sort of alpine mountain. You can imagine foresters and people yodeling almost. I could it's see very that. alpine. Yes. <laughs> yodeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were built by Lima Locomotive Works, which is in Ohio in the US. So uh, I would
1: have thought it was in Peru.
3: No, they sent them over. And so uh, they worked on that line for many, many years using vertical cylinders, so an important. Detail because if they were horizontal, they would have had trouble getting up the tracks, which are very windy and involve a lot of stopping and going. I think that they have to like keep slowing down because they have very... A lot of hairpin turns. Wide berth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of back, left, right, left, right, mm. left, right, working your way slowly up the mountain.
1: And you're saying that these hundred-year-old trains are being recommissioned no. to go up these.
3: They've put aside. Well, it hasn't really started yet. The public tender for the renovations will be mm. put on the on the uh, block for people to, you know, put in their bids in March. And the budget is 22 million NT dollars, which is a bit over 700,000 US. It would recover. It would cover a lot of things. Actually, there does. After having sat in uh, retirement for so long, uh, in a cultural park, there's a lot of work that obviously needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, the boiler, the driver's compartment, the body, the engines, the bogies. I'm not sure what that is. No That's idea. my vocabulary assignment for today. And the transmission and the water supply system in the case of one of them. So you can imagine that there's quite a lot of. They're not just gonna like roll them onto the track and say, okay, here,
2: go. Um,
3: no,
1: I'm glad Um, they aren't, No, but it almost sounds like with all the renovations and upgrades they need, it might be a totally different train. It looks like
3: that's just for one of the trains. Actually. The other ones have separate deals, all of them in the millions. It's very expensive, but I think for train buffs, a very meaningful thing because, uh, of course, nowadays the line is no longer used to haul rubber uh, lumber. It's used to carry tourists Mm. who go to admire the views and, uh, the trees are appreciated these days. Yes. So, But it is a piece of local heritage that people are very proud of. And I think um, in the coming years, because it will take until, in one case, till 2023 for everything to be wrapped up, they expect, they will be uh, slowly put back into work. And it's nice, to, like, we have these beautiful pieces of machinery sitting around. Why not, you know, it's nice to have them some purpose to them, you yeah, know, I once mean, again. Yeah,
1: I mean, especially up in Ali, Sean, yeah. where it is... There's a lot of history up there, yeah. And there is, there are trains dedicated to going to the, uh, the was that the scenic sunrise spot?
3: But they're not; mm-hmm. they're the sort of more contemporary trains. That's I think tr- yeah. you lose a bit of,
1: you know. I'm thinking like the Back to the Future Part Three train is. Oh, that, that <laughs> would be fun. I
3: think they, I think what I'm picturing because I've seen trains in Taiwan from that era. They kind of are like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, is it? Oh man so it's like does it also produce you say it's steam powered does it produce like a lot of black smoke or is it
3: see uh, it doesn't really give details about the engine just this, the the vertical bit about the cylinder so they don't like fall over you know that's they fine wind their way up the tracks with no issue um yeah um it's nice you know like i said they were in they were in literally a garage it a gra- railway garage park okay but still I guess there's kind not a lot a of... A garage all the same, like sort of at the foot of the mountain. They have yeah. sort of a museum area.
1: Not um, a lot of wear and tear there, I suppose. I guess it's so, worth saving. Know. I mean, things built back then, they were built to last. And they oh,
3: did. Yeah, that's true. So I think, you know, it's a pretty safe bet that these trains can keep chugging along once they're properly, you know, fixed up.
1: All right. You know, I really like that about Taiwan. It's just, it's not about... We
3: you don't know throw we throw things s- away. We <laughs> don't
1: throw things away. Even some of the uh, the cultural centers that we have, the cultural parks, they are old... What, like tobacco factories warehouses. and uh, warehouses and things like that. So that's kind of got its own charm. Anyway, that's about all the time we have for here in Taiwan this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, coming up, Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic for here in Taiwan. I've been Leslie Liao.
3: I'm John Ventrias. And I'm Shirley Land.
1: Do not go away. <laughs>
0: God for elevators. No, I mean, really seriously, thank God for elevators. Can you imagine walking to the top of Taipei 101, which is now the second tallest building in the world? Well, it took me more than 40 minutes to climb to the top of Taipei 101 back in 2004. Now, fortunately, it has an elevator, which cuts the time down to just 38 seconds. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I'm going to take you on a sound journey on the world's fastest elevator.
4: And
2: ear to the ground.
0: When I was a kid, we lived in St. Louis, Missouri, which is right smack dab in the middle of America. I remember my parents taking me to the top of the arch, this incredible structure that's 630 feet are about 192 meters tall and it was built as the gateway to the west in honor of the settlers who explored and developed the western half of the United States.
1: Doors are closing. Watch
0: now the ride to the top is petrifying. It takes place in these little trams that go up both legs of the arch and each tiny little cabin fits just 5 people and it tilts and rises and tilts and rises sort of like a Ferris wheel car, all the way to the top. It's a claustrophobic ride that takes about four minutes. Up, that is. It takes three minutes going down. And the ride scared me then, and it still scares me today. Or at least I would assume it does, because I don't really go up there anymore. Thank you for visiting the top of the
2: Gateway Arch, and enjoy the rest.
0: Now fast forward about 25 years and we're in Taipei about to board the elevator to the top of Taipei 101. Now Taipei 101 is two and a half times as tall as the arch. We still have to give some credit to the arch though, it's a huge arch. Building it was an incredible feat of technology and architecture back in the 60s. Today I'm going to take you on one of the tourist elevators which go up to the 89th floor observation deck. Now, believe it or not, there are 65 other elevators in the building. Now, as you step into the elevator on the top floor of Taipei 101's shopping mall, which is located at the base of the building, the first thing you notice is how dark it is inside the elevator. There's a smartly dressed man or woman who recites a prepared speech in Chinese, Japanese, and English telling you that uh, you might want to swallow in order to unblock your ears on the way up. Now, you can either look at the glowing lights on the ceiling, or you can watch the monitor that displays how quickly you're moving and how high you go. The ride is incredibly fast at 37 miles per hour. It's almost 60 kilometers per hour.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we have a ride in Observatory.
0: Now what you can't see is that the elevators are shaped like twin-nosed bullets to make them aerodynamic. They have sound isolation shrouds, acoustic tiles, and even the counterweights are aerodynamic to make it a fast and noiseless ride. At the 89th floor, you step out onto an observation deck It's not really a deck, it's more like just a floor with some large windows on all sides. And you can listen to an audio guide or you can wander around on your own, matching the maps to the view from the windows. Now the trip down is equally fast, but the announcement is slightly different. The elevator attendant tells us that we're going to get off at the fifth floor. He corrects a passenger who thinks he's going to get off on the fourth floor. I wonder if the attendant gets dizzy riding the elevator over and over again, many times a day. Does he take his own advice and swallow each time to unblock his ears? I wonder if after work he gets that sensation that the ground is still moving. Now at the bottom, I think once again of the arch and how you feel like kissing the ground when you step back down on firm earth. You don't feel that so much at Taipei 101, but I'm guessing if you had the choice, you'd be pretty glad you took the elevator and not the stairs. You too. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan.
2: You've just tuned into Juba's Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. A Taiwanese singer-songwriter who had just made a comeback last year after a hiatus of many years recently made it to the top on the KK Box Charts, which is a local Mandarin Chinese music charts. His name is Tank. Uh, Chinese name is Lu Jianzong. I was totally surprised. I looked him up, and there was nothing. You know, like the latest news about him was like a year ago, okay? So apparently he just released a single, a new single this January, I guess he's just trying to keep it low, you know, low-key. Anyway, this new song is your love song, 你的情歌。
4: 中雪路上想念着耶 sing so you
2: So that was 你的情歌, uh, Your Love Song, by Lu Jianzong, whose English name is Tank. You've just tuned into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International. Now, Tank was born in Taitung. His father is of the Amish tribe, and his mom is of the Puyuma tribe. Uh, in the beginning, uh, he was singing in restaurants and pubs for like six years, and uh, another singer at the same time. Uh, Place one of the restaurants, I guess, really liked his voice, so he signed him on, Tank, right, signed Tank, and became his agent. Um, He taught Tank about music, about music production and arrangements, and uh, Tank uh, changed his name many times, his stage name many times, until the boss at HIM, which is one of the local big music companies, was given his demo tape. And uh, after listening to it, he uh, he said, "I've got to see this guy," you know, and that's when HIM said, "It's got to sign this guy." So then Tank changed his name to Tank for the very last time, uh, because the company described his music as having a lot of action. I guess maybe they meant like you know groovy. Anyway, so Tank was like so talented; he was asked to write a lot of music for other musicians as well, and even you know write songs for. Uh, movies and TV series like you know write the the theme songs we're gonna listen to a couple more tanks music here haha <laughs> how about Zhang lang Xiao Chiang Zhang 蟑螂 means cockroach Xiaoqiang is a nickname that times people like to give it to it because it's such a strong you know uh invincible insect so Qiang means strong so little strong so here's uh, cockroach little strong Zhang lang
4: 嘿嘿<笑> the they I The Chica Yo, oh, your yeah, Suppin'
2: next song is Feini Mosu, It's You, It Has To Be You.
4: 编曲
2: There are so many great songs from Tank, but I can only play a few. Now, Tank was nominated for Best Mandarin Male Singer and Best Single Producer before. Unfortunately, though, his reputation wasn't all that great all the way. He was married once, but ended in divorce, and he uh, he has one daughter from that marriage. In 2008, he was caught for drunk driving. Actually, he has a heart problem. And um, so... Well, he also has a drinking problem, and uh, there were times when he would go on stage after having drunk a lot, and uh, his crew would tell him, you know, to slow it or whatever. He wouldn't listen, so uh, it was. He, his excuse was that it was his way to get rid of stress. Uh, anyway, so um, in 2008, he was caught for drunk driving, probably more than once. So he has this congenital heart disease, and uh, his sister. And his aunt uh, both died from the same disease. And because of that, he had been in and out of the hospital. I mean, he himself, you know, wasn't doing too great in terms of health. And um, he suffered a a heart attack in 2007. So then he had a surgery done uh, where he had this cardioverter defibrillator implanted to regulate his heartbeat. After the surgery, though he was doing great, he released his third album in two thousand nine. Then he ended a seven-year contract with HIM and then founded a partner and started their own music company. But not long after that, uh, Tank quit owing to health reasons. And um, then people were saying that in two thousand sixteen, they found him singing on the streets like as a street performer. And that same year, uh, he came out with contemporary gospel music uh, album after a hiatus of seven years, and then now a new single this year so far. Well, I want you to listen to more of his music. So this next one, or next two, actually, to end today's show, uh, the first one is called Dear Tank, and the second one uh, is "Yin Chang Bi Sai, it means to extend a, a game, a fight, from his album called Fighting. Thank you so much for tuning in to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shuri Lin, and here's Dear Tank, and Tank，吕建中。by Tank Liu <音楽>
4: 會改變终于拥有你的舞台 oh, oh yeah. 第一天, Jo She The
0: Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw.